0: And now, WBSM's big gun, Tim Weisberg.
1: And welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome into the program. Good morning. (laughs) I'm already thinking about what's going to happen later in the show. Uh, welcome into the program. Good morning. Happy Tuesday to you. And we've got a day of fun for you and topics that uh, we'll want to discuss. Uh, but I just want to let you know that joining us later on in this hour at 930 will be medium Matt Fraser. He is going to be performing at the Zyterian Theater next week. Uh, tickets are still available for one of the shows on the 15th. He'll be joining us to talk about that. And, and he's done, you know, he's from Rhode Island. He's done lots of appearances uh, in this area over the years. And we're going to talk with him about just what it's like living as a medium. Those of you who know my Spooky South Coast show, you know we talk about this kind of stuff all the time. My best friend Stephanie is a psychic medium. She co-hosts the show with me. But I'm going to, um, you know, well, I'll keep it very, um, I'll I'll just assume that the audience listening doesn't know anything about mediumship and psychic ability. So when we talk with Matt Frazier later on this hour, uh, you don't have to have a spooky South Coast working knowledge to be able to um, follow along. So we'll talk about that. And, of course, you can get tickets for the event at Zyterian.org. It's always... Anytime that he gives readings to folks, it's it's emotional, but it's funny. Uh, there, You know, there'll be tears, there'll be laughs. We'll talk to him about all of that. And, and of course, you've probably seen him on his e-television show, Meet the Frasers. We'll talk about that as well. So that'll be coming up later on this hour. And then the phone lines are going to be open throughout the program at 508-996-0500. A couple of things that I want to t- talk about right off the bat here, if you didn't catch south coast tonight last night I would recommend that you give a listen to the podcast at some point during the day if you live in Dartmouth or along the water here on the south coast you know in one of the the seaside communities you're going to want to give a listen to it because last night Chris and Marcus had on Senator Mark Montigny and Representative Chris Markey to give an update on the Dartmouth septic issue. Now, if you if you don't recall this story, the Mass DEP had this commission that it put together, which a lot of critics have questioned the validity of the commission because it seemed very one sided, and there was no South Coast representation, very little representation for the people, but certainly for special interests. On this commission and this commission decided that because the nitrogen levels have been rising in Buzzards Bay and we have to be concerned about this and which we do, it's all real. The science on it is real. They made the determination that ASAP people had to have a a upgrade to their septic system to control the nitrogen release into the environment and it was going to cost homeowners about $50,000. That's the guess. As Chris Michaud, the health agent for Dartmouth, said when he was here with us, that's just a guess because the technology they're saying that has to be put in isn't even invented yet. But they're guessing it would be about $50,000. And so the um, the way that the South Coast was brought into it was was questionable to begin with. Because I guess the data shows that it's not as big of a problem here as it is on the Cape. It's still happening, but it's not nearly as critical. You know, it's within the safe levels um, in Dartmouth. So Senator Montigny and uh, Representative Markey led the charge to try and do something for the people of this area. And they announced last night, although they're waiting for the formal announcement from the Healy administration, they did say that they are confident that the Healy administration is going to say, that those changes don't have to go into effect for residents of Dartmouth. It'll still happen for the Cape. I'm sure there'll be some discussion with Cape Cod homeowners about the process for them and whether or not they have to do it as immediately, as Masty EP is saying. But from the way that it was presented last night and the way that uh, Senator Montigny had put it in a release, Dartmouth is off the table for now. Now, nothing is formal until the Healy administration puts out their own statement on it, but that's the general sense right now from Senator Montigny and Representative Markey. So if you are one of those Dartmouth homeowners, breathe a sigh of relief for now. It still might come around your way, but know this, know that Chris Michaud is on top of that, as well as your local delegation and it will not catch you by surprise again this time you will have a much greater say in what happens you will have a much greater say in the decisions that are made and also they're not going to be able to work in darkness like they did this first time but for now you're uh, you're off the hook so that's that's our one of South Coast tonight. if you want to check it out, check out the podcast for yourself. Uh, in hour two, they did have New Bedford Police Union President Lieutenant Evan Bielski on to talk about the funzy situation that happened over the weekend where someone with a firearm an illegal firearm was taken into custody and the the firearm seized. There was a lot of discussion about that yesterday on, on, on WBSM. And we can certainly continue that, uh, throughout the course of this show as well. I don't see it exactly the same way that everybody else sees it. I think a place like that where you have people jumping up and down on trampolines, I don't think it would be out of the question to say, let's put a metal detector at the front of the business. But I don't know that I think it has to go as far as let's put a police detail in in every business where we think there might be a problem because who knows where there might be a problem and it it becomes a, a matter of you're trying to predict what's going on so i i don't know that that's necessarily the answer as much as you could you could just put a sign up that says no weapons allowed because it's, it's a place that, that's a reasonable request. I think most legal gun owners who carry a concealed firearm would walk into that and say, oh, yeah, you're right. This is This is probably not the place I want to have my firearm on me if I'm going to be jumping around on trampolines. And I think that most people would look at that and say that it's a reasonable request. The same way when you walk into Gillette Stadium or TD Garden or whatever they call the dunk now. It's a, it's a reasonable request to say we don't let firearms come into this building. And I think that you could get away with the same procedure there. But I don't know that you can start picking and choosing where you think you need to have details based on that. I mean, I think details should be based on where there are incidents. If there's a lot of incidents in a place, well, then you have to put a detail there. Because part of the problem is they don't have enough officers. Lieutenant Bielski told Chris and Marcus last night they lost... I think he said seven since the beginning of the year and that's five that they lost last week. I think he said four of them went to the state police and one of them is going to another community in the Boston area. So that's, that's concerning enough. And now you're going to say, well, we need to have details in any place where somebody might walk in with a gun. And I I don't, I don't think we need to characterize it as, this could have been a really tragic event. I don't think that that's necessarily the case. It was a criminal who had an illegal gun on his person. I don't think that he was going in there planning a a, a mass shooting. Nor do I think that he was going in there targeting somebody else and was going to open fire. I don't know all the details. But I'm going to guess this person was there with kids. Maybe his own kids, maybe nieces or nephews. So let's let's not get too far out from the reality of what happened. The police still did a fantastic job. The person that called that in, the young person that called that in, still did the right thing. But let's not overdo it in what this situation was. I'm more worried about the person that walks into a supermarket with an illegal firearm, but nobody's clamoring to to put in metal detectors there. By the way, uh, just got this update handled, uh, handed to me. State police have the right lane blocked for a rollover. Clear- they're clearing a rollover accident near exit 10 in Freetown on Route 140. So we've been following along with, with that crash. Kate is all over it. She's um, getting all the updates on it, but... Uh, just so people know that are heading out that way, state police have the right lane blocked. Rollover clearing accident on exit 10, Freetown, near uh, near exit 10 in Freetown on Route 140. Um, I don't know if that's northbound or southbound. Let me see. Somebody, somebody had put something in. Uh, Roger in Westport says, "What about Westport with the Title V? Uh, I don't know. They, I didn't hear them mention Westport. Um, Because I don't think, yeah, it was. they were talking to folks that don't represent Westport. But let's see what we can find out about that. I'm sure if Dartmouth is off the table, it would be the same for Westport, but I'll see what I can find out. They were told that they were just going to, what it sounded like is that they were going to focus just on the Cape for now. So we'll see if we can find out some more details about that. Also, something else we can discuss. Last evening... New Bedford War Three city councilor Sean Oliver did put out uh, an apology. He put out a statement apologizing for the memes that he posted. The And I think this, you know, for the most part, I think this kind of ends the conversation depending on, you know, unless he does something that makes people feel like he went back on his statement, which I couldn't imagine him doing. But I think this effectively ends the discussion about it until the election comes up again later on this year. Because it seems like he's going forward and, and trying to work with the people in the groups that were offended by this and learn from the situation. So I'm hoping, I'll say I'm hoping that this is the last that it has to be discussed. I'm sure, again, I'm sure it will come up as an election issue Just because, why wouldn't it? And New Bedford Light did a little bit more reporting on this than we did. Uh, They've got a little bit more manpower than us. Arthur Hirsch and Colin Hogan worked together. Uh, Arthur is the author on it, but um, Colin Hogan gets contributor credit on it. They, um, They talked to some of the folks that were upset by the post originally, some of the students that protested it. And although they said... You know, we acknowledge this apology. It would have been nice if he had done this to our faces instead of putting out a statement. The fact is he, he put out a statement, and I'm going to just read it to you quickly. This is uh, Sean Oliver's words. As an elect, and by the way, if you miss this, you can read it about it at WBSM.com and on the app. As an elected official, my position is to work alongside the members of our community, different groups, and leaders to gain a better understanding of the issues facing us all. When I began my candidacy, I made it clear I was not a politician, just a guy who truly wanted better for New Bedford. My goal has been to bring people together and stop the division while fostering a sense of pride and community that has faded within our city. A few years ago, I carelessly and thoughtlessly shared some insensitive memes that have taken away from that message. I never intended for these to be used in a manner that would further fuel this divide. The LGBTQ plus community continues to struggle with discrimination while facing abuse and fear for themselves and their rights. Although this was never my intention, I do see that my actions caused harm, and for that, I apologize. No one should ever feel illegitimate, afraid, or unheard. As your city councilor, I will represent all residents without prejudice. A true lesson I hope we can all learn is that although people may post, share, and quote different things, we must always remember that words have meaning and that the message of fear or hurt may spread while having no intention of ever doing so. There's a human in all of us and we all need to work together toward bridging the gap on different topics to bring back the sense of community and belonging we all deserve. And again, those are the words of New Bedford Ward 3 City Councilor Sean Oliver. So uh, that is his uh, statement on the memes that were posted and the content of those and apologizing for the feelings and the damage that they may have caused. And I think that's a little bit different than saying, you know, previously the apologies were a little bit, or the statements were a little bit along the lines of, you know, I'm sorry you got offended. And I think, and again, I'm not saying that he said it that way in a, he he was expressing it in a flippant way. But I think what happened is over the course of the the last few days and in interacting with these different groups, seeing the protests that happened both at the high school and at his uh, swearing-in ceremony at City Hall, talking with folks at City Hall uh, that were part of that representation, I think what it is is he's just realized and, and, and been educated more on what people were upset about. And so that's why I think you're hearing those words, you know, I'm, I'm apologizing for the hurt that they caused. That's acknowledging that they were hurtful. And that's different than saying, I'm sorry that you were offended. Or I'm sorry that I offended anybody. That, that doesn't mean that you are apologizing for the content of what was there. This is apologizing for the content of what was there. And you can have your opinions about what you think about these issues without... Presenting them and representing them in a hurtful way. If Sean Oliver had just posted to Facebook and written in the statement, I don't really like the idea of transgender people being able to use, uh, you know, whatever bathroom they want to, however he might have worded it people would have looked at that and says okay well that's that's your opinion i disagree with that but you're entitled to that opinion they wouldn't have called that statement hateful or transphobic they would have just said you know maybe you need some education on it whereas posting a meme and turning it into a joke is more offensive to somebody so i think i think he he you know he took a, a he took a very tactful approach to this and uh, and as i said i think this kind of will end the discussion for now as long as he follows through on his promise to to meet with these folks and and the groups and 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 to continue, continue to learn and continue to represent everybody equally which i have no doubt that he will then i think this 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 is something people will it'll get brought up again during the election in in november or you know in the fall but other than that i f- i hope that this quells any concerns or fears people had about his ability to be part of the city council. Uh, let's take a quick phone call. You are next on WBSM.
0: Yeah, I'm glad it's over. I don't think uh, the majority of people uh, had issue with any of it, but I'm glad that it's, uh, you know... Well, I don't care old, I don't uh, care
1: if the majority of people didn't have a problem with it. I care about the portion of the people that did.
0: Okay. And um, also, uh, I, I would love uh, for the elected officials to come out and condemn Uh, The children that were allowed to chant, uh, screw white men, while standing in front of the superintendent and all the administrators, reporters. You are the king of
1: whataboutism, Carlos. You really are. Excuse me? You're the king of whataboutism. I didn't stutter.
0: Yeah, okay. Can I continue speaking without you making these personal comments?
1: No. If you're going to make a comment, I'm going to question you on the comment that you make.
0: Why can't it be a back-and-forth dialogue? Why are you being so... uh, Because
1: you've been calling every show with the same rhetoric.
0: Rhetoric? Rhetoric. Rhetoric. Chanting, screw white men at a public school. How many kids chanted that? 25. Maybe. Or more.
1: I don't think it was more. I watched your video.
0: I didn't. Well, I didn't put off the whole video i i edit it you know people have a uh, very small well don't don't span.
1: don't come on and and try to uh, characterize the situation and then say well i put it up an edited video put up the whole video so that people can know well, what actually I happened
0: we think that the mayor should come out and condemn it why i He's, really the- do Do you realize why he condemned? My
1: feelings. Do you realize? Well, maybe you're the snowflake. Do you understand why he came out and condemned the Sean Oliver memes? It's not because he said it. It's because he's a city councilor now.
0: That's why he said it. No, no, it It has nothing to do with Sean or his memes. That's done. That's an old chapter, right? He's apologized. You guys got what he wanted. Uh, You know, next he'll have to bend down and go on his knees, like was suggested at the city council. But I hope he doesn't do that. Uh, like the mayor did, uh, bowing on his knees to people that, that, that demanded he do so. He should only bow to God. I'm sorry. <laughs> but what if anyways, he doesn't believe in God? Who doesn't believe in God? I don't. Well, I'm not talking about you, Tim.
1: Well, you just said who doesn't believe in God, as if somebody couldn't.
0: Well, I, I believe you should only bow before God.
1: Well, that's that's fair.
0: You know, uh, or maybe our parents, you know, when they're, when they're you know. And they're passing or whatever. But besides that, uh, I, I, you know, I, I, I just, uh, you know, and I understand this is a touchy subject. I get it, and there's no love lost here. I don't get upset about it because I understand it's a, a very difficult subject to discuss. But I'm glad uh, we're starting to discuss it because there are people that have certain beliefs, and we shouldn't be uh, treated differently because we have those beliefs. And especially when those beliefs don't hurt anyone. Uh, uh, you know, but we should so be allowed.
1: So then, why uh, should you be allowed to feel that way, but somebody can't feel like screw white men?
0: No, I, I, I listen. I'm all for protesting. I mean, that's a well known thing. I've I've done protests. I've been part of protests. I've covered protests. I've covered. Uh, 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 I was one of the first people to cover the story. Time and put it out there in a positive light. I've done it all. You know what I mean? So I'm not here to condemn anyone. But the point is, children were chanting. Screw white people. And they, and another one called, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, Sean Oliver, a basic white man. You know, so you can look that up in a dictionary, in know, urban dictionary or whatever. I mean, it has different meanings in different ways. Um, But it's like, I believe there are people's feelings that were hurt. I mean, if you go online, you'll see uh, dozens of people, if not hundreds.
1: But were, white men are that? not a marginalized group.
0: Well, I don't listen. I, I, will defend someone that you know that's being abused. It doesn't matter if they marginal, marginalize or not. In my opinion, if a group is being called out for their skin color, it's wrong. It's wrong. And it's and, and it shouldn't be tolerated by the, the, the superintendent. People's tax dollars go to, go to pay these people's salaries to teach these children mathematics and and languages. Not not can't screw white men. I mean this is kind of I don't mean to outrageous. cut you off, Carlos.
1: I got a, I got a guest that's calling in for nine thirty, so I have to go. Great. Uh but I'll if you want to call in later on because I had to cut you off, you can.
0: No, 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 that's fine. You're not cutting me off. I All appreciate right.
1: it. You have a good day. Uh, I do have a guest on the line, so uh, we are going to take a very quick break, and we return on the other side. We're going to be joined by medium Matt Frazier. He's playing. Uh, he's going to be at the Zyterian in New Bedford next week. Uh, there are still some tickets available. We're going to tell you how you can get them. We'll take a quick break and be right back with Matt Frazier. After the big gun. On the line, we have psychic medium Matt Frazier. He's going to be at the Zyterian in New Bedford next week. Uh, he'll be here March 15th and 16th. The 16th is sold out, but the 15th, there are still some tickets available. If you want to get them, you can head on over to zaiterian.org. but let's talk with Matt and find out a little bit more about him. Good morning, Matt. How are you? Oh, I got to press the button there. Oh, hold on. What's going on? The button's not working. There we go. Are you there, Matt? I'm here. Can you hear me? We almost had to connect psychically there because I was having a little problem with the phone.
2: Listen, sometimes it's harder to talk to the living than it is the dead for me. So listen, in my world, all is okay.
1: <laughs> so uh, I've, I've had the chance to have you on my Spooky South Coast program in the past, uh, but I'm going to, uh, you know, for the, the benefit of this audience, uh, because here on The Daytime Show, folks aren't as much into uh, that world as, as, as my Saturday night show. So I'm going to ask you a little bit about describing exactly what it means and the differences between being psychic and being medium.
2: Absolutely. So what's amazing is that my family comes from a long line of psychic ability. My grandmother was a psychic. My mom was a psychic and then passed it on to me. And you can remember that even though my grandmother was a psychic medium and my mom and myself, we all have had different gifts. And every psychic medium is different. Some are more psychic. Some are more medium. Some are just psychic. So what does it mean? Well, psychics are uh, people who can pick up on energy. They can tell you about what's going on in your life, what's going to happen in the future, what's happening in the past. And a medium is somebody who can speak to those that you've lost on the other side and have conversations with them. Maybe you didn't get to say goodbye to someone who had passed away. Maybe there's questions around a person's passing. Maybe you're wondering who's watching over you in spirit. Well, that's what a medium is. And myself, I'm a psychic medium, which means that I do a little bit of both. So the way that it works for me is that being a medium, I literally grew up like that little boy from the sixth sense. I see and hear dead people. And what that means is is that when I'm connecting with people, especially like in a live audience at Zyterian, the moment that I look out onto the audience... It's not just the living that's there, but the dead are there as well. I'll see a son that's sitting behind his mom, desperately trying to deliver her a message. I'll see, you know, a father that's behind his daughter wanting to deliver a message to her. And literally the whole night is about delivering messages on the other side. And being a psychic medium, what that also means is that when I connect with your loved ones in spirit, they are with you every single day. So they know what's going to happen in your life. They know what's going to happen 10 years down the line, five years down the line. And when we're going through challenges, struggles, really tough situations, our loved ones in spirit will often come through to give us advice because they can see tomorrow so much more clearly than we can even see yesterday.
1: And with an, with an event like what you'll be doing at the Zyterian Theater, that's, that's got to be for somebody like yourself um, a chance to really touch some lives. But also, you know, there's only so many people that you're going to be able to talk to during the course of that evening. How, what is it like for you when you're on the stage and you have the audience before you and they have all these loved ones around them that are trying to, to speak out and trying to get your attention?
2: So it's a constant race. I literally feel like the UPS man in heaven trying to get all of these messages and, and all of these you know, uh, packages, so to speak, to the souls, uh, from the souls to the living here in this world. You know, what's amazing is the same way that you see me give readings on television shows, like the Real Housewives and Botched and the Doctors, is the same thing that I'm going to be doing at Zyterian. And what's amazing about this event is that it does not matter where you sit. I can't stress this enough. It doesn't matter where you sit. It just matters that you're there because during the course of an event, I have to get off stage to deliver these messages. I don't care if you're sitting way in the front or way in the back. The thing is, is that if there is a message from your loved one, I will get it to you. And literally, this event, I'm going to be doing reading after reading after reading after reading. And literally, it's like being on, on a treadmill because – The moment that you get started, it's amazing at all the messages that start to come through. And for the whole time, I'm going to be reading as many people as I possibly can.
1: But, you know, even if you don't get to somebody, there's still value in being there and and seeing someone else have that message delivered to them, because there's going to be something there that resonates with you and with your own life as well.
2: Well, what's also interesting about coming to an event, it's not just about the messages. You know, coming to an event is about learning about the other side. You know, the way that I was able to write my books, the way that I was able to learn so much about heaven, wasn't that I went and Googled this. You know, all of the things that I've learned about what happens when you die, what happens to to our souls on the other side. It's, because, it's been because of the fact that I have done so many readings and the souls talk to me about what their experience has been like when they've died. So being part of an audience isn't just about the, the messages, but it's about us all learning together as a group. You know, through these readings, I've been able to learn so many things. For example, how old we are in heaven, what we're doing in heaven, what happens to our pets on the other side. You know, what happens when somebody passes tragically, like of suicide, you know, and during these events, it's an uplifting, it's an uplifting um, event for everyone for that one reason. And also because these events show us that the more that we learn about fear world, the more that we learn about the spirit world, the more that we learn that we can talk to our loved ones ourselves. There's a way that we can get in touch with our loved ones. It's really tough because in the beginning we miss their physical presence. But when you learn that you can connect with their spiritual presence, you realize that you're truly never alone and your loved ones are always there.
1: Well, and, and you mentioned that you come from a family that has these gifts. So for you, was it a matter of being able to, to, to learn from a very young age how to harness this or did it take a lot of trial and error and practice to be able to really hone this uh, and, and to, to be able to use this gift to the best of your ability?
2: I'm still learning until till this day, Tim. i got to be honest with you, mediumship is a language. And it's literally like learning a second language. You know, when you have a primary, primary language like English and then you're learning a second language, there's always something to be learned. And every single day I'm learning new ways to connect with the other side. I'm learning new ways that they're speaking to me. I'm lo- learning new ways that they're speaking to you. And what's awesome is, is that I picked up this gift at a young age because I've had more time to learn. I've had more time to harness it. But to be honest with you, there's no way that there's, you know, I'm never going to be able to perfect it until one day I pass and I'm a spirit myself because it's a change of worlds, right? Our loved ones are in a different world. So we have to learn to communicate through the through the veil, so to speak, and communicate with them on the other side of life.
1: I mean, was did it make for a challenging childhood growing up and and, and having these abilities or was, you know, having the family that, that had these abilities make it make it easier for you?
2: Oh, no, it was it was definitely frightening for me growing up, because even though I talk about my mom being a medium and my grandmother being a medium, you're going to understand that they never did it professionally. They just had the ability. So literally, you know, my mom and my grandmother told nobody, just a few close friends and family members that absolutely needed their help. And that was it, because back in those days, you couldn't talk about it. You couldn't talk about dreaming of your loved one or receiving signs of a loved one or speaking to the dead. You know, it was taboo, people would think that you were crazy. So my grandmother kept it a secret, so did my mom, but growing up, I grew up like that little boy from the sixth sense. I would always be able to see and hear dead people, and I was petrified. I mean, I remember sitting in my room at night, you know, with the covers over my head, doing everything that I could to make the voices stop. It wasn't until later on in life that I went to see a medium for the first time myself, because all my family did was run from it, I'll keep it a secret. And I realized at that moment, oh, my God, I can do this too. I can use this ability to help people heal just in a different way. And I can help people find the answers that they need in spe- speaking with their loved ones in spirit.
1: And, and I know that there's, there's also a responsibility with that, too, because, you know, I've talked to some mediums uh, on, on Spooky South Coast who will tell you, like, sometimes people become a little bit too dependent on it. And I'm sure, you know, I'm sure you have people who want to come to all of your shows and, you know, kind of follow you around and things like that. But it's a different story when you've got somebody who is, like, reaching out to you every day, like, I need a reading, I need a reading, because they, you know, they haven't been able to go through the grief process. So you have to balance a little bit of how to give them those messages, but also teach them the right way to hold on and let go at the same time.
2: Well, you know, that's why I make sure when I'm doing a reading, I tell you every single thing that your loved one tells me. I don't hold back because at the end of the day, the thing is is that the souls know on the other side what's going to help you to heal. So if you watch some of my videos, if you see me on my reality TV show, if you see me give some of these readings, you'll notice that I don't ask any questions. The moment that I see your mom behind you or your dad behind you or your sister or your brother, whoever it is that you've lost, I'll start delivering message after message after message. And, you know, a lot of times when I'm doing a reading, you know, I, 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 I speak so quickly because as fast as I'm talking to you, they're talking to me. And there's a reason for that. The reason is is that the other side knows your loved ones in spirit know what they have to say to help you to heal. They know what you're holding on to. They know the reason why you're going through that pain, the reason why you're going through that grief. So it's very rare that I'll have somebody come back to me for, for you know, a, a second reading because... You know, at the end of the day all their questions are answered and I love that. You know, I feel like if they did come back to me and they did have more questions, I feel like I didn't do my job as a medium. Sure, yeah. Well, you mentioned your
1: television show, uh Meet the Frasers was uh it, it's a show that it has a pretty good pedigree because it's executive produced by Mark Burnett, the guy who who's he's been behind a couple of shows people might have heard of like, you know, Survivor and Shark Tank, some of the biggest shows on television. And uh, and you get a chance to to work with him for this television series. What what was that like?
2: It was amazing. I mean, it was absolutely incredible. I mean, to think that somebody from the, from Cranston, Rhode Island would be on reality TV, you know, it's just incredible. I, I, I'm just so honored like, to, that they even found me and even gave me this opportunity. I mean, it was incredible because at the same time, you know, being a medium and being psychic, people often view it as spooky. They see it as, you know, scary sometimes. And you know, during this TV show it really gave people the look behind my actual life. And, you know, if you've ever watched the show, you realize there's nothing that was spooky about me. You know, the only thing that's the only thing that is that's spooky about me or that's scary about me is my family cuz they drive me absolutely insane. You know, it's not the dead that haunt me, it's them. But um it was an amazing experience because of the fact that I get to share so much with with people and, you know, still to this day it's amazing looking back on all of the memories that have been captured on television and that I've gotten to share with everyone.
1: Yeah. And it's not just about your abilities too. It's, it's having, like you said, your family out there and also having a relationship on TV, which can always be, you know, you never know how that's going to go exactly when the whole world is watching every little bit of your relationship play out in front of them.
2: Absolutely. I mean, listen, it's definitely challenging, but the thing is, is that, because I mean, the first question I've asked all the time is Matt, how the hell did you live your life? Okay. With, cameras following you every single day and you know my response to people is listen i have dead people following me around every single day the bathroom the toilet the shower like if there's a message that's there they're delivering it no matter what so having cameras there for a reality show isn't any different for me but it was a little bit challenging for my family because at <laughs> the beginning they're like this is kind of weird <laughs>
1: So, you know, having that that presence around you 24-7, you must have to learn to put up some barriers for yourself so that you'll have some peace of mind so you can have some quiet time and some time to actually focus on other things. You must have to have learned and and, and developed the ability to know when to tune in and tune out.
2: Absolutely. I mean, the thing is, is that being a medium, the other side will talk to me any chance they get, you know, if there is a message for someone that is passed on, they will come to me, whether it be in the middle of the night, whether it be in the morning. So, you know, what I've learned is that you definitely have to balance, like you said, Tim. And what I do is actually one week out of every month is just recharge time. It's a time where I just go and do absolutely nothing. And what's really amazing is that I've learned that you can set boundaries with the other side. You know, for example, they know that, you know, that one week out of every month is the time when, you know, I'm taking my my time for myself and they do respect that. And here's the reason why is that being a medium, the souls use all of my body to be able to communicate. I see them, feel them, sense them, hear them. So the thing is is that I can only deliver these messages is if my body is in a good place. You know, if I'm sick, or uh, if I'm sick or run down or drained, there's no way that I'm going to be able to deliver a good message and help you connect with the other side because I can only be as good as my body is. So it's really important to take care of yourself, to rest, relax, to do all of those things. And, you know, like I said, I've, I've learned it from doing it all these years. And, you know, the other side respects that as well.
1: One question that I, I always ask whenever I have a, a psychic medium or a psychic or medium on the program is I'm always fascinated to know how the gift works for you. So how is it that you connect with them and receive these messages? Because I know it's a little bit different for everybody that has abilities.
2: Oh, it's very different. Every single medium is different. But what I can tell you is that all mediums connect in one way even though there's all different ways. So, for example, some mediums are pet mediums, some mediums are angel mediums and spirit mediums and whatever it is. But every medium has one shared way to connect with the other side, and that is through our thoughts, right? So everyone has – when we're connecting with the other side, we all have um, a sixth sense and a third eye. So when mediums are connecting with the other side, a lot of times they're using thoughts to communicate. And the best way to describe how the visions come through to me is literally like daydreaming when you're awake. If you can remember back in the day being in the classroom and kind of d- dr- drifting off, your body's there, but your mind is just somewhere else. And have, if you've, have you ever seen like even on t- television when you see um, a kid daydreaming and the teacher, you know, in front of them snapping their fingers and being like, hey, where the hell did you go? You know, it's the same thing with me as a medium. So when I have these visions, literally what it is, is like daydreaming. So just to give you a quick example. When a soul comes through like someone's mother, right away, when I'm looking out into the audience, I'll see the souls. I'll see shadows and silhouettes. They'll tell, me, they'll tell me where to go. When I start to hone in on that soul, they'll start to tell me who they are. They'll tell me I'm the mother. They'll whisper names, dates, and places to me. And then I'll start to feel what that soul went through. If that soul passed through a heart attack, I might start to feel you know, a pulsing sensation in my heart. If that person passed and had a leg issue or an amputation, I might start to feel that sensation within my legs. And right away, you know, as I'm going through and they're, they're showing me these, these visions and I'm feeling these things throughout my body, I have to, I have to uh, piece all the pictures together on what they're saying to me, which is really amazing because I'm able to get messages very quickly and very fast. So right away, I can tell a lot about that soul, about how they died, what they're trying to say, and what their life was like here in this world.
1: I, I was out to eat the other day, and uh, the table next to me was talking about how they purchased tickets to see you. And again, you can do so by going to zaiterian.org. Uh, the 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 16th is sold out, but there's uh, tickets available for the 15th. And they were saying one of the the women was one of the women there was saying. I'm a little bit nervous about doing this because I don't want to end up crying in front of the entire Zaitarian full of people. And I kind of, I, I kind of like shouted over, "It's like, hey, not that I'm eavesdropping or anything, but I wouldn't worry about that because I'm sure it's a very cathartic thing to have everybody around you, all, all being there in support of you and, and the messages that you are able to give to everybody."
2: Yeah, I think everybody thinks about that, right? So there's a, there's a, some um, sensitivity to it about being vulnerable, but that's the reason why you're there and you know everybody's there for that for that same reason when you're going through it in the moment and you're having a reading done it's like there's nobody else in the room just me and you and i love that you'll see people come in it's actually funny because i've I've seen this tim exactly what you're talking about people everybody comes in i feel like 90 percent of the people and they're nervous they're a little bit stressed you can see them you know uptight in their seat and then i'll start to read them and you'll start to see that first that they get very defensive at first they're a little bit you know it's a little bit too much to handle and then all of a sudden they're you know, laughing and crying. It's literally a roller coaster of emotions because the readings, and, and that's the biggest misconception I feel, is that the readings aren't always just sad. You know, Actually, my readings are a little bit different if you've seen them, is that they might start off sad because right away we're talking to somebody that you love. You're thinking about how you miss them. You're thinking about what they were like here in this world. But what I love talking, talking about when I'm doing a reading is that a lot of times these souls will come through with their personalities. And it's amazing to see because You know, it reminds the person that, listen, our loved ones aren't really dead. They're just different. They still have the personality. They still have the same connection to us. They're still the same here in this world, excuse me, in the other world as they were in this world. And I think that that's just, you know, so healing for people to realize, oh, my God, my loved one might might not be with me physically, but they're still with me spiritually, and they're really not dead after all.
1: Absolutely. And people will have the opportunity to experience that for themselves uh, this coming Wednesday. Uh, well, not this coming Wednesday, a week from tomorrow, Wednesday, March 15th. Uh, there are still tickets available for that show at zaiterian.org. Go on there now, jump on them. As, as Matt said earlier, it doesn't matter where you sit. It doesn't give you know one seat doesn't give you a better shot of, of, of connecting than the other. Uh, so go ahead on there and uh, it's the, the tickets are limited, though. I was taking a look at the seating chart. There's not a lot of seats left, so you want to act soon. Matt, thank you for joining us, and uh, and I look forward to talking to you again in the future uh, hopefully it won't be as long as it's been since we talked last time
2: i know i know well listen thank you so much it's always a pleasure
1: all right and uh, and you have a good time in new bedford i would recommend any of the restaurants downtown while you're here uh some of them have ghosts so that might uh that you know that might uh, affect your your dinner a little bit but uh, all the food is delicious i promise that
2: well, listen, I'm used to dining with the dead, so that's perfect for me. Thank you so, so much.
1: Take care. That is uh, Psychic Media, Matt Frazier. And again, you can see him at the Zyterian next week, March 15th. There are still some tickets available. All you have to do is go to Zyterian.org. I got to take a break. We'll be back in a few moments.
0: No, here WB's WB. It
1: was fun talking with Matt Frazier. It was fun, you know, learning a little bit more about how his abilities work for him. You know, I'm always fascinated by people's uh, hidden talents, secret abilities, and some of the ways that they can express themselves. And you know who does that really well? the cooks over at Just Another Phoenix restaurant in Dartmouth because they take all of your breakfast favorites and they find a way to turn it into something you never would have thought of. So not only do they have all the staples that you expect to find on the menu, you know, if you if you just want bacon and eggs or sausage and eggs or a cheese omelet or whatever, you're going to be able to get all of that. But you can also find their daily specials, which are always a little bit just beyond what you might have normally thought of. Things like Fruity Pebbles French Toast or Honey Nut Oat French toast or boston cream french toast my personal favorite or different types of pancakes different types of omelets different ideas for breakfast sandwiches they really let the creativity loose at just another phoenix in dartmouth and also it's a place where they make sure that they take care of you today seniors get free coffee with their meal they, they always make sure that they have the lowest possible prices for you so that you can come out and bring the family if you want to and still be able to have breakfast out and not have it cost a fortune. Uh, you can still go out for dinner later on that night if you want to because you didn't have to spend all your money going out for breakfast. And if you want to take it home with you, their drive through window has the full menu available that's just the way they take care of you. Just another Phoenix restaurant in Dartmouth. Go over there and give them a visit. And you know what? Even if they don't have the Boston Cream French Toast, if you tell them Tim recommended it, maybe they can whip it up for you if they have it in the kitchen. All right, I got to take one final break. We'll be back in a moment. we going to go into the news. So callers, hang on. We'll get to you right to start the second hour, I promise. Uh, and if you want to call in, we do have some room for you at 508 996 996 500 508-996-0500. We will also take your app chat messages on the WBSM app. If you want to send them in that way, it's like texting us
2: right here in the studio. It's one of the many features brought to you on the WBSM app, including live